Vodka. Vodka. Hey everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Vodka O'Clock. I'm Amber Love from AmberAmass.com. What you're about to hear is um, the second half of the Kickstarter panel at the New York Special Edition Comic Con. I, uh, it took me a whole lot longer to get to New York than I thought, so I walked in late, but I still wanted to make sure that I got you some information about Kickstarter because it's obviously a really go-to way to fund independent comics and other projects these days. And on the panel was uh, Greg Pack, that's who's speaking when the recording first picks up, and Amy Chu, who's an independent comic writer, and then two folks who actually work for Kickstarter, Craig and Jamie. So um, give it a listen. Hopefully you can still glean some of the information out of it. And if you have any questions about Kickstarter, um, they have their own email address where you just write comics at kickstarter.com. And Jamie is the one who actually fields all of those inquiries. So um, give it a listen and let me know what you think. And I will have a couple more episodes uh, from the Special Edition New York Comic Con coming your way. I just want to warn you that there is some like really strange background noise, and I'm not sure why that is, but it's actually in the recording file, so it's not something that I can figure out how to get out um, because I didn't compress the files or anything, but I think you can still hear the voices pretty well if you could just tolerate any of that background noise. I was sitting in the back row, so maybe that had something to do with it. An audience. If you think you have an audience, you can reach them directly. Um, the, the disadvantage is you're doing all of the work. Um, when you do a comic for Kickstarter, you're not just writing and drawing the comic, which is generally what we do with work for hire. We're only doing one piece of that. Um, you're doing everything. You know, you're editing. You are doing the publicity. You're you're project managing the whole thing and making sure everybody's meeting their deadlines. You're working with the printer. You're dealing with shipping and handling. And you have signed up to do customer service, um, and, and that's a hugely important part of it. You know, when you are doing, you can't be proud at all. You have to be willing just to directly communicate with all of your backers, anybody who has a question. Um, and the bigger your project gets, or the more backers you get, the more questions you're going to have. And you have to cheerfully, and, and you, have, you have to be the kind of person who's willing to embrace that and, um, and answer questions and be upfront about any problems you have and, and deal with it. And it takes a huge amount of time. I had a friend named Jamal Idol who did a Kickstarter for a book called Molly Danger, and I asked him for advice beforehand. He said, I asked him how much time it took during the campaign. He said, eh, probably about six hours a day. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, during the actual campaign, I was easily spending six hours a day on the campaign itself. Not every campaign necessarily works that way. Um, uh, um, the, as it, 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 the campaign starts to take off, um, it can, and, and if you decide that you're going to feed that by adding more stretch tools and things like that, then it can become all-consuming. On the other hand, if you've got a project, and, and, and if you have that opportunity, if it feels right, if you have the time, and if you can handle it, go for it. At the same time, I think there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of value in deciding, I need just this much money to do the project, and I'm not going to go crazy with stretch goals. I'm just going to get, you know, if I, if I hit that, that's going to be awesome, and I'm going to make it. Um, Great. Do you yeah. want to like, explain what a stretch goal is? Yeah. So let's say, uh, I mean, the, what, what happened with us was we had a goal of $39,000. Um, that was to do a 60-page comic book where everybody was going to get paid. That was a big important thing for us, uh, was to make sure everybody got their rate, all the different people who worked on the book. Um, 
39,000 was, was the minimum we, we could figure in order to do that. Um, and we were just crossing our fingers hoping we were going to make it. And we ended up making that in the first eight hours, which was nuts. Um, so then a stretch goal is, okay, if we make, um, like our first stretch goal we planned for was 59,000, because we budgeted this whole thing out. We figured if we hit 59,000, we could expand the length of the book from 60 pages, I think, to 80 pages. Um, and, uh, and then, so, you, so if you think you're going to reach certain levels or if you have a shot to reach certain levels, you, you create these stretch goals that allow it. And in the end, we were able to expand the book to 104 pages. We added a bunch of other little stories done by other artists based on uh, songs of Jonathan's. We added uh, a whole acoustic album that Jonathan was going to record with all the songs that he was going to get for free. It was crazy what we were able to add on. Um, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the big thing is you're doing the project in order to do the project. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, we, I, mean, I have no regrets about the way it ran. It's been awesome, and everything that we added was something that I wanted to physically hold in my hand and cut it. You know, I mean, we added t-shirts, we added challenge coins, we added mugs, and um, and folks were very excited to, to pledge for those, and that was great. We were smart enough not to add a bunch of things that create a lot of extra creative work for us. Um, I think Amanda Palmer famously had a thing where she was going to paint record players as a reward for a Kickstarter thing that she did, which is awesome. I mean, to get a painted record player from Amanda Palmer sounds really cool, but that meant that she had to paint however many record players that was in the end and mail those out to people, you know? So, yeah, that's like the thing that sounds great when you're like, oh, I hope 10 people do that, right? And then when like a thousand people do it, you're like, oh my God, I'm painting record where like, I'll, I'll tell this sort of great story and then we can um, also open up to questions. But before I work at Kickstarter, I happened to go to a Kickstarter and comic panel and I forget the guy's campaign, but he won $10,000 and he got $114,000. And everyone said, oh my God, that's amazing. And he said, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, oh my God, why? You won a 10,000 and you got a 100,000. He's like, well, all that money just went into printing more books. And he said, one day, a Mack truck or a semi truck pulled up in front of my house, and the guy said, I've got eight pallets of comics. Where do you want me to put them? And he literally didn't have room in his apartment for the amount of comics that he, you know, he never really thought about. Like, he was more like, well, you know, I might be able to make the thing and I'll get whatever, 100 issues. And now, like, he, was, he was like saying, like, he was calling friends and they would drive up in their cars and he'd hand them comics <laughs> and they'd take them to their apartments. He felt like a drug dealer on the street, you know. Um, and he said, you know, he basically ended up doing nothing but shipping comics for three months. He said he got up at like five in the morning, shipped comics for two hours, and then went to work, and then came back and shipped comics because it was so wildly successful. Um, that's a good thing to happen, and you know, like in retrospect, I think now that he did it once, because this is this is many years ago, and this is like people are just figuring it out, right? It's not like there's a, a set way to do this. Like every campaign kind of adds to the knowledge base of what's gone before. And he said something very interesting on the panel. Someone said, would you ever do a Kickstarter again? He's like, no, it totally ruined my life. And then he goes, yeah, I'm actually going to do one in six 
Yeah, of that six hours I was spending today during the campaign, at least two to three of them was spent in Microsoft Excel, uh, working on different budgets, you know what I mean, and checking and rechecking um, as we added stretch goals to Nothing make sure. exciting as spreadsheets. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, and, well, I was looking because Jonathan not only wrote the song Code Monkey, he is a code monkey. I mean, he worked as a computer programmer, so he had his own spreadsheets going. I had mine, and we compared. At one point, we, we compared it all, and this was very late in the game when the budgets were, were up, you know, really high, and we were within $500 from each other, and we were like, that's insane. You <laughs> know, so we were very happy. But, um, but you, uh, you also talked for, like, I know I said we don't want to talk about yeah. but can you guys talk about for tremendous about shipping, because that's really important, especially in this category. But that, while well, I said don't talk a lot about Yeah, I'll just run really quick. Um, just just take a package that you think is going to weigh what your actual shipment will weigh. Actually make a package, go to the post office, weigh it for domestic, local in your area, for across the country, and then for uh, for like Japan um, and Canada as well. Yeah, and 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 so you and then when you are and then add ten to twenty percent on top of that, um, and for and then and. and in order to figure out what your shipping costs are. Um, uh, and then think about what happens if you end up, like maybe you maybe if you have 100 backers, you could do it all by yourself. If you have 2,000 backers, you, you may want to go with a fulfillment house. Call a fulfillment house uh, while you're planning. Um, also, take two months to plan your thing before you launch. There's no rush, you know what I mean? Take the time. Call a fulfillment house. Uh, a fulfillment house is a company you're basically paying money in order to ship out stuff. I mean, so we worked with a fulfillment house called Echo Dev in Delaware, and we had all of our junk shipped to them, so it didn't have to show up on our back steps, although we did have some stuff show up, and yes, it was crazy. Um, but it got shipped to them, they ended up, sh they ship out all the packages, they, and then we pay them, we pay them for that. But we factored that into our budget from the beginning, so that we didn't get shafted in the end. You know, so just factor it all in the beginning and then add 10 to 25%, uh, so you don't get screwed on shipping. Also because, Shipping post U.S. postage goes up in January every year. Oh, right, yeah. You know, yeah. so keep keep, yeah, keep it all in mind. You know, and yeah. also international shipping always costs more than you think. Yeah. There's there there's been a couple projects where when they sort of factored in international shipping, they basically were either breaking even or not really where they needed to be because they didn't expect. You know, they didn't go to the post office. They didn't check the rates. And you're like, what? It costs forty five dollars to ship a ten dollar book to Australia. That's insane. But you want to know that ahead of time. Yeah. Your, your success is all in the planning. I mean, your, your, your Kickstarter is not successful until all your stuff gets out and to the folks in Australia who bought your book. That's basically yeah. it. So you need to plan that out. And you don't, not to, to, you know, don't get scared off by Greg. Like you, if you don't have six hours a day to do this, you don't need six hours. You need six hours if you have a $340,000 Kickstarter. You know, my, my Kickstarter, you know, I, I'm not even sure how long it took, but it was manageable, you know? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. so Amy, I was talking to Amy, she'd already done a Kickstarter, and I started working at Kickstarter. I was like, have you ever thought about doing another one? She goes, oh yeah, I've been thinking about doing another one, and then the next morning she sends me an email, and she goes, oh, I just launched the Kickstarter. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, you can you do this. Tell me, like, you were on the ver, you know, and she was like, yeah, I got up at five in the morning and shot my video, and I was like, didn't you yeah, tell yeah, me? Yeah, 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 hopefully so, none of you saw that video, but you know, because <laughs> he made me do the video. Here's the thing about video. It, it, I think a video is successful because it shows that you got your stuff together. Right. And also, some people only watch the video. I didn't realize this. Yeah. So 
Some people only read the text, and some people will not read. They just want to watch yeah. the video. So that's why you need to have a video. It's kind of funny because I have both. I almost never watch the video. You know, I, like, I never do, I but then, the yeah, project, there's the success rate of, it's like your project is something like 20 or 40 percent more likely to be successful if you have a video. Yeah, I would be a little suspicious if there wasn't a video, but yeah. I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was not that comfortable doing a video, but I did it, and um, here's the tip, when, when you do the video, do a short video. Yes, of People will not watch the whole thing, you start going on and on and on, unless it's super entertaining. We, we recommend about two minutes for a video. Not even a video. It's going to be really short, though. But I would say I always encourage people to put themselves in the video, too. You don't yeah. have to. Like, there are a lot of, you know, sort of uh, really highly produced, like, trailers with artwork for the comic or something. But even just, like, a moment when you say hello and introduce yourself, like, people will respond to you as much as they do to the comic. Yeah, they respond to your cool master. You know, I think that's one thing. Like, like, just, like, talk about what excites you about the project. Because what excites you about the project is what's going to get someone else excited uh, about the project. I, I think the reason Kickstarter works because people will spend more money on your comic book via Kickstarter than they ever would in a store. Oh yeah, so true. you know what I mean? And it's because, I think there are a couple of things. One, because it's not, it's part of, you're part of a story when you donate to a Kickstarter. You know, when you have a distribute, you're, you're making it happen and that's an exciting thing. And then just the process of it happening is an exciting, it's like eBay, we, you know, everybody's, Probably everybody in this room has bought something on eBay they never would have bought at a garage sale. You know what I mean? And, 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 and we do money for it. And then there's entertainment value in the process of bidding for it and competing for it, right? In the same way, there's entertainment value in Kickstarter just being part of all this. Also, it's personal. I mean, when you're doing a Kickstarter, you you're interacting with the folks who are backing you, and that's I I, I think there's a real value to that. And so, putting yourself in your video, you know, doing those updates. Uh, I, I was nervous about updates. I was like, how many updates should I do? And then at a certain point I realized, you know, people sign on board because they want to support yeah, and they want to hear from me. And if they don't want the updates, they can click the button where they don't get the updates. But we, you know, I, I think updating is, you know, when you, I mean, don't, don't do it if you don't have news or you don't have something you're talking to folks about. But that kind of interaction is, is what people are, are buying into. But when you're making a comic, you always have something to share. You can, I mean, comics are so shareable. Yeah. Like you share yeah. artwork yeah. in progress, you know, Greg was fortunate to have. Yeah, Greg was fortunate to have a uh, great singer songwriter as part of the project. Like they do a signing in a store, and Jonathan performs. We a video performance. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are just a couple of examples. But you're always working on something. It's so easy to share the creative process with comics, and I find those are the updates that I really like, where someone is not just telling me what's happening like monetarily with their project, but like involving me in what's actually being created. I think that's the most exciting part. So I'm curious, how many of you here have actually supported a Kickstarter? Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. Nice. thank you. And how many of you have actually run a Kickstarter? Ooh, oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah, uh, I think it's also smart if you're thinking about, I mean, I'm preaching to the crowd here, but if you're gonna launch a Kickstarter, it's a good idea if you were backs some Kickstarters. Yeah, um, so let's have a look at success. Yeah, just think about what you like when you're thinking about what you want to but it uh, sound obvious, but some people don't. Why don't we uh, open up to see if there's any questions? Well, let me just say oh, something really quickly, just to save yourself some time, because I'm like, I like kind of like a, a, a thief in this way. But what if you were already on Kickstarter, look at other successful Kickstarters for comics. If you're, if you're doing a comics Kickstarter, you will save yourself a lot of grief and planning. Look at what's successful and, and what's not successful, and then you can just take some learnings from that before you actually launch yours, because it'll, it'll help you out a lot. 
question all the way in the back. Yes, um, in terms of production, is it cheaper to do a web comic than it is a print comic? I'm just curious about that. Yeah, production is it cheaper to do a web comic than a print comic? Digital's always cheaper than print. Yeah, because you're not, yeah, the, the printing, yeah, it'll, yeah, printing is expensive. Um, I mean, it gets less expensive the more you print, you know what I mean? Like the average cost of the price per copy is going to go down. But yeah, also, if you are doing, but uh, if you're doing a Kickstarter and you're going to give people a reward, yes, people will sign on to get a digital reward if they like it. But I think for comics, I think having a physical copy for comics is pretty important. I think this is why the comics category is so strong at Kickstarter and why comics are such a natural fit is because people who read comics want to hold their comics yeah. in their hands. Like I definitely always encourage people, don't forget digital. It's a great way to be able to like even offer someone who's pledging like a tiny amount, sell like a real valuable reward because it doesn't really cost you anything to deliver a digital reward. You just send them a link, you know, or whatever, somewhere they can download it. Print costs money, but I mean that's why people back comics projects because they want to see these comics happen and it can be hard to you know, to get your book published otherwise. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good point when you uh, think about digital and physical rewards, because digital rewards like RBDs rewards to, you know, distribute, you're not mailing it out. And, you know, think of things like, okay, maybe for, if you want to charge, I'm going to make up numbers, like $20 for your comic, the print version, you know, maybe you get the digital version at $10, but at $5, maybe you get, like, the digital version of the script, you know what I mean, something like that. So, you know, think of, of creative stuff and, and try to think of rewards that are both interesting to the person that they're getting it, but also not necessarily super, super hard for you. I've definitely had projects where I get like, you know, a digital copy of the book for like three dollars or something. And that's a real reward. Like I get to read a comic and I get to support more projects because I have these options. Like, you know, I might not have oh, I don't know if I want to spend twenty dollars on this, but three dollars I definitely want to read this account, you know. Think of all those things. You know questions? Yeah. Um so you mentioned a few ways to really make it successful Kickstarters, you know getting the
both uh, a certain fan base, uh, a certain number of social media followers, and we also had, um, uh, we each had a pretty good chunk of contacts in press with, with people who, you know, journalists and bloggers and folks like that. So um, we, 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 we figured out a little strategy ahead of time where we reached out to all of our press contacts. And the funny thing was is that we had a lot of people who knew us both, you know what I mean, who'd written about us separately. Um, which was great, because then we come to them and say, hey, we're doing this project together, and that's a whole new hook for them, you know. Uh, I mean, part of it is just, I mean, with any independent project, you are competing, I mean, the crazy thing is, you're out there competing against, uh, you know, X-Men, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in terms of pop culture, you know, I mean, that's crazy, but that's sort of the reality of it. So it's like, what makes your project different and distinct, and what media you go to, to, you know, that's gonna care about it. Um, in, in our case, you know, we had, uh, like we got covered by, both Jonathan and I have done stuff that in the tech community got a little bit of attention, you know, so we got covered by, like Andy Anako wrote about us for one of the tech sites that he writes for, um, because I mean the book is about coding monkey, yeah, and, and I mean I've done a few sci-fi things that were very tech oriented and Jonathan has a big fan base, you know what I mean, so, and then, and then the fact that it was a musician and a comic book writer coming together to do a project was a little different, you know what I mean? So anything that you have that makes your project a little different, find out what that niche media is that you can talk about. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. There's a lot of um, projects that naturally overlap in several categories. Like my friends who did the action figures for girls, they um, they had for the mommy blogger, right? Because they're doing like basically uh, action figures for girls made by girls. They had the collector community, they had the comic book community, and they were very smart about knowing, you know, they kind of analyzed social media as much as you can. Um, not all of us have press contacts, but social media is free. Get on Twitter, get on Facebook. Um, when he showed that chart of like how your campaign's gonna go, it's really more like you tweet and it goes up and then it like plateaus and then you tweet again and it goes up. You gotta do that. I, the, the campaigns that I saw that didn't do as well basically didn't really do anything. This is like, kind of like feeding a, 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 a taking care of a, of, an, a, of a pet. You know, you need to like you know, don't starve um, your pet. Don't yeah. starve your pet. Don't forget about them. If you just don't do anything for a while, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't get any new pledges. It's just that that you know, uh, you, you need to put some effort into it. And, and sad to say, but this is the way it goes for any project. It's like twenty five percent of your time will be actually dedicated to actually doing the project. The rest of the time, you gotta like you know, basically market it. And you know, these, if you already have these skills, great. If not, it's time to learn. You know, you gotta get on Facebook. Um, and don't just talk it up like it's my project, this and that. Talk it up in an interesting way because you're talking to an audience. You know, I can't tell you. I actually, I think I backed like 79 Kickstarters. You know, because I, yeah, I know. Oh, like, yeah, because I, I think it's fun. I like it. It's like it's a great way for me to kind of shop and support. But so, so yeah, my email box is full of updates and like full of, like, you know. Try to be try to be yourself. You have your own voice. Find your own voice when you're marketing your stuff. Don't be annoying. Just say this is not a commercial transaction between you and me. I'm supporting you because I want to hear what you're doing, not because you think that you need to be somebody else. Like you need to market like Microsoft. That's not you, and that's not what Kickstarter is about. You know, be true to yourself and try to build your fan base. It's not just about getting the money. Build your fan base by using Kickstarter and, and treat it that way. 
Yeah. And that we have both, both ends of the spectrum here. I mean, unfortunately, there's no real shortcut to just like, this is what will make you get more followers. Like, I, you know, especially if you're starting small, most of the people that support you will be people you know. But that's exactly where you start. That's exactly, it's great to start there. And you know, it'll be a small percentage of people that are total strangers that somehow found your project, but there will be a small percentage. And if you make a great project that's compelling to the people you know, they'll be like, this is cool. And they'll tell other people, like, it's very, you know, it's hard work. It's, you know, there's no real shortcut, but it definitely does work. Or you could go make great work publicly for a decade and have yeah. fans. Yeah, you already have a fan that built in. But I mean, that's putting in the work. Uh, just, yeah. just the same. No, I mean, but the thing, anybody who is, you know, like, Jonathan and I started off with nothing. Like, you know, none of us come from the entertainment industry. You know what I mean? Like, we, we were not, it's it, the exact same thing. We were talking to our friends. We were, like, making little hundred, two, I, I was making little hundred dollar, $200 short films, taking them to film festivals, going and meeting people, collecting email addresses whenever I could, you know, back before, before MySpace. You know what I mean? Um, I was just working with email addresses. And uh, be shameless about, like, putting, you know, going to whatever events you have uh, that's where your stuff is being shown and making friends. Um, the other big thing, they're creators too. I mean, yeah. one, of the, one of the great things, and, and we were talking at dinner last night about how Amy is the, is the master of this, but meeting other creators is a really great, like when you're here, if you have a project, like show someone your project, not to get them to back it, because it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'll no, about no, 10 minutes Yeah, just so really quickly, okay, I know there's a tendency to say, oh, please retweet my project. It's actually not that effective unless a person is actually liking your stuff. So if you're just begging people for a retweet, it actually doesn't do as well as someone like Greg, who actually is like, oh my god, this is the best thing. Please support my friend's project. That's the level you want to get to. Don't just go around asking for retweets, because they actually don't do that well for you. Yeah, you, you want somebody who cares. You know what I mean? Like, like, And here's the thing. I mean, this is the way I always think about it. From back in the day, when I was self-distributing my feature film robot stories, you never know who has 100 friends who's going to show up in a movie theater. I mean, like, you know, like there yeah. are people Sometimes we'd be playing in some tiny little city somewhere. This was with my feature film Robot Stories, which we self-distributed. And because I had been, because I'd reached out to all these folks and gotten email addresses from people in New York, folks emailed their friends in Cambridge. And we ended up having like, you know, some guy brought his, I can't remember what it was, it was like his class, like, like brought a classroom of people, 20 people to a screen, which was huge for us, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing, it's like, your cousin may actually end up having like 12 friends who back your project. You know what I mean? So so start with who you know, you know, and start small. I mean, that's I, I was making tiny little short films, you know what I mean? Like when you start small, you can actually finish something. My, I had a, a teacher and a professor in film school who was always like, this is not Japan. He was talking about our, uh, at NYU, we, we, you know, we were doing these short films and everybody's like killing themselves. And he's like, this is not Japan. Don't, you know, like just make this, make this project. Don't put, you know, like don't try to make a feature film in your first year of film school, make make these short films and just really enjoy it and build, you know, build yourself and build your audience. All right, there's a lot of questions, yeah. so we're going to do the lightning round. So you go, yeah, go. Yeah, um, I'm interested in how to use the uh, international following. I saw that you get um, uh, backers from many countries in the world. Yeah, there's some backers from uh, I think it's like 240 countries. I actually pulled that slide out here, yeah, and I'll leave it in there, right. uh, including to, uh, Antarctica. If I want to do like a uh, bilingual. No, the, it, we don't have localization right now. Usually what happens is people will just, um, I was literally just working with someone 
I was just wondering why some content that's mature and adults only gets approved and some get rejected because like the Ojoy sex toy crime novel had, was resounding success but other mature content products get rejected. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a tough one to answer. I mean, you know, deciding what is offensive or not is, uh, I mean, that's so subjective. I, I would say that our policy is very, very liberal in general as long as it's not like a really 
cold nature, we generally, you know, accept it. Lightning round. Who else? Like, like, well, like twenty hands before. Go. Um, what would be the best time frame you set based on the core concept? Thirty days, sixty days. There is no best time frame. The average is thirty days, but we don't know if that's because that works the best or it just became the average because it's thirty days on the daily. Whatever length you choose, uh, your funding will probably be pretty similar. So I mean, you could even do like a really fast two-week campaign and have it all, you know, shoved into that tiny time period. Or spread like the difference between 30 and 60 days, which is the maximum. The campaigns are usually very similar. It's just a lot slower. It's just, yeah. So 30 is just a good average that seems to work well for most projects. And I would also say, take a look at when major holidays are coming up. I was literally talking to someone, and I'm like, you know that if you launch your campaign, you're going to end on July 4th, and the end is spiked. Thank you guys are all awesome.